I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, sketchbooks, drawings, shifting gears, bookshelves, and more. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy, and this is episode 350. And I'm going to go with tag along. The funny thing is, you're not supposed to give your shows an episode number anymore. And that really, really, really messes with me because I think of these shows in terms of the numbers, the sequence, this series of dominoes. Whether you hear them in order or not doesn't really matter, but there is sort of a consecutive feeling to some of them. They do go in an order, and it's just an easy way to reference things and arrange things. I don't always even have a title, and that is a problem. So I sat down, I looked at my notes, and thought, I have no idea. Tag along. I see that word in my notes. And as soon as I thought tag along, I thought, isn't that a Girl Scout cookie? And yes, indeed, it is. If you're a Girl Scout cookies fan, you probably know. Without looking it up, I had to look it up. It's the peanut butter one. The more you know. So today is a little bit of a hodgepodge. Sometimes you have to just throw everything together and mix it up a little bit. Feels like there are some loosens and some leftover bits and just a little bit of general creative fodder going on. So that's what I have lined up today. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of bookshelves, a little more talk about bibliophile and stacks maybe a little bit about this one little book, one of several, but just this one, not even sure you'd be able to find this one, but maybe, maybe that'll be at the end. So that's where I'm headed. That's where I'm headed with this show. And I wasn't even sure this show would happen. I couldn't really pull all that fodder together, but really part of the problem is I think that months should really start on a Saturday. They should start on the weekend. I just can't seem to wrap my head around starting on non-weekend days. So I've been sitting here this morning and thinking about what I want to work on in March. Although I really made decisions. I made some decisions yesterday because I wanted to start some things on the first of the month, just in case those were the things I wanted to do all month. That's just me. So I went ahead and did some things knowing that they might show up on my, I think I'm really going to do this for March list. And then this morning I sat and I started making an actual list and saying, well, what do I really want to do? Because it felt like this month I had a whole bunch of things. There were sort of too many things. Just all of a sudden there were too many things that I thought, oh, well, I was going to do that. And oh, I wanted to do that. And yeah, I can't do all of those things. I really can't. I'm really really practical about that. I always encourage you to be practical about that too, but I am really practical about that. So I jotted some things down. And of course, the whole time I was wishing that I was much nicer and neater about how I do it and wishing that my system was tidy and color coded like the awesome planner video I watched and shared the other day. I love how those things look and I can't quite figure out how to turn my stuff into that. I really can't, but I do love to look. A few of the projects or goals that I wrote down are carryovers or tagalongs. 
They are tagalongs. Some of these things, they appear and they reappear and they recur over and over and over again every month. Every month, I think that seeing them in my mix, just on my planner page, on my goals page, I think that if I see them there, it will really move me to start or do or tackle or try, bring these things into being. And some of these things have been tagalongs for years. I'm not kidding. Years. Every month, I think this will be the month. I'm really going to do it. I'm going to focus on that this month. And sometimes I'm really there. I'm right on the edge. I'm at the precipice thinking, I am going to do it. I'm going to get a piece of paper out and start that today. And I might think of it another 28 times in the month and still not do anything. But they end up on my list the next month. So every month I think, maybe I should just not put it on the list. And as soon as I think that, as soon as I think it, I think, oh, whoa, no, 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 no. Because if I don't list it, it's going to disappear. To not list it will be somehow to give it up. It's an interesting moment. It is an interesting moment because I don't think that's a unilateral thing. It's not true for every project. There are some projects that I think, oh, I would really like to do that, but no, not this month. I don't put that on the list. I may know that there are things I want to do later in this year. And when a month comes along that seems to be just right, or that project feels really pressing, it just fits in some way, then it'll go on the list. So some projects I put off without any problem. And some projects, these tagalongs, I'm not willing to take off the list. I fear that if I put them out of sight, I'll really just let them fade away. It's better to have them on the list. That's what I always tell myself. It's better to have them on the list and unattended, not checked off, not started, not acted upon, but still there. Just a bit of guilty reminder every time I look at the list. Just a little mental nudge. And somehow that works. It's constantly tugging at the edges, just a bit, just a bit at the edges of my awareness, reminding myself over and over that that really is something that matters to me. And at some point, it has to matter enough to start it. But I don't want to let it completely go. Glancing over at my list right now, I can see that I didn't leave enough space. I was half-heartedly trying to do something different with how I was setting it up. And I didn't leave enough space for all the things that I put on this kind of a list. I didn't give myself enough room in some of these columns in one place or another. I still haven't found my happy place, happy space, my happy approach. And I was tempted to call this planner book done and put it on the shelf. Maybe think far enough through everything to put a little piece of washi on it with the year and move into something new. And if I did that, probably I would end up just pulling out a composition book because I have them and that would be easy. But I think, and I really debated about this. I really debated about it because I really enjoyed working in this planner book from 
January 1st until now. But there aren't that many pages left. But I think that there are probably enough pages, maybe just enough, to get me through March. Especially since in this last week, I moved my nightly drawings out of it. So that's a change this week. Since the start of the year, I had been doing my portraits in this planner. I had been just throwing everything together in the same book. And I had reasons. I definitely had reasons. I was definitely giving myself a set of constraints. I was definitely trying to force myself into a different framework and a different mindset. I was definitely trying to de-emphasize a focus on finished looking things and re-emphasize a focus on sketchbook looking things, which I think are different. So it was a way to give me a box almost to work in. Unusual paper, dot grid paper, paper that's super thin, different size. There were a whole bunch of things going on with what I was trying. And I think it's important for us to try these kinds of things. I do think it's important to shake your systems up. I think sometimes it's important to give yourself either a limited palette or a limited set of pens or a limited space. Give yourself some kind of system or rules to work in just for a little while because it really forces you to do a certain thing. It compresses, shuts out all the clutter. And sometimes you struggle while you do that. Sometimes it doesn't feel right or doesn't feel natural or you really want to do something else. But there are good things that come from setting up those kinds of little test case scenarios. I knew I wouldn't stay that way forever. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And yet, it didn't quite get what I was hoping to get out of it. So I did it partly to give myself a way to not get overattached to single daily drawings, to deal with paper that, like I said, isn't really for drawing, and to ignore those doctored markings, to free up and do things that I'd moved away from. That was really a big part of what I started out planning to do. I didn't start out planning to do portraits. That's really the problem. I was going to give myself this new constraint within my planner and not necessarily do portraits. And if I did portraits, I wasn't just going to do a portrait on a page. I was going to fill my pages sketchbook style. So not only did I want to get away from that feeling that daily pieces have to somehow be finished pieces, which I think social media and our communities and our groups and our apps like Sketchy, all of those things really breed, really breed this sentiment. You feel like that's what you see is that everybody is able to crank out these things every day that look like finished pieces. And I'm not sure that that's really the pace that's not really the pace somehow. It is and it isn't. So this is a complicated and not really well hashed out discussion. But this was part of why I did what I did. And at the same time, I was hoping to get back to something else, to some other way that I used to work in sketchbooks. Some other way that I used to work in sketchbooks before I did portraits. So by putting things in my planner, I figured, well, I'm not going to turn those into postcards or cards or prints or anything. I'm not going to hack them out of these books. And I felt like that would somehow take the pressure off in good and bad ways. I, I felt like it was also a little bit cutting short what I could do with these drawings that I do in the little bit of time that I have. 
but I went with it. I went with it. I stuck with it. I stuck it out all January, all February. But of course, as soon as I started, within a day or two, I did a portrait and then another and then another. And they were portraits on a page. Exactly what I was kind of trying to get away from. Now, I did start adding words, which I've done in the past, but I did start deliberately trying to bring words in from my day, which I can't always remember at the end of the day trying to somehow record and pair things that I heard or snippets of conversation with these portraits. Two things that don't really go together at all. And yet the juxtaposition was really interesting to see and also let me record little moments, especially things with the kids, that I would otherwise certainly forget. So, yeah, I was really hoping that this would bring about some some change, that somehow I'd be thrown back into almost the everyday matters approach, something a bit more holistic, more integrated, more whole life reflective. I knew what I wanted to have happen, and I was quiet about it. I was okay with pulling out of that daily rat race pace that sometimes just feels like we're running and running towards nothing. I knew what I wanted. But I didn't really manage it, not in any way. I didn't manage it. I still ended up mostly with portraits on a page. And so I am back in a regular sketchpad again. I didn't think it through completely. I just sort of did it. I'm back in a regular sketchpad, a nine by 12. I had one laying here. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to do something on that. And as expected, the first portrait or two or so. They're just that. They're portraits on a page. Exactly like they used to be. So I don't know. I'm a little bit, I'm a little, I have mixed feelings. I've lost the words already. So these first portraits, I'm happy with the portraits. Working on the bigger paper felt really comfortable and freeing. I was really relieved somehow to work on regular paper, but I've lost the words. And that is a problem. And I don't want that to happen. So I need to hold on really tightly to that part of what I had been doing in these last two months, because while the execution may not have been quite where I wanted it to be, at least that was a little bit of a a merging and a montage between the portrait work and the daily documentation, a real life that here's what's going on. I was at least getting some of that on the page. So I still have some settling in to do trying to make it so that I don't just end up with a portrait on a page. But like I said, I am glad to be back on drawing paper again and the bigger paper. Whether I feel it or not, I like having the space. So I do have mixed feelings about the slight pivot. This pivot I did this week, I didn't even expect to pivot. I thought I was going to finish out this entire planner, go all the way through until I ran out of pages. And I actually spent a lot of time over the last few weeks evaluating and looking at these kind of planners, thinking I would do the same thing again. So pretty much no one is more surprised than I am that I started this other pad of paper this week and that I sort of have now said to myself, yeah, I like keeping the drawings separate from the daily to-do lists. And I, I know that there's really, there's a lot of truth in that. So I may go back and forth on that a million times in the next decade. You may hear me say it one way or the other. 
and just completely jump back and forth across the line. But yeah, right now I know that that's kind of true. I kind of want to keep them separate. If you show up at my house or we meet in a coffee shop and I'm going to show you a set of drawings, I don't really want to hand you my to-do lists. I'd rather just hand you a sketchbook. And I hate that because the everyday matters kind of thing that I want would still probably be a little more journal-esque than I definitely want to hand over too. So it gets mixed up. These are things that I've been thinking about for years. So have you. We all think about them. Every artist you talk to or read about, they have a different approach and sometimes they go back and forth too. Sometimes it feels more comfortable to do it one way or the other, or maybe you do it on purpose. Maybe you're trying to teach yourself something new, like I was, or to remind yourself of something important, like I was, or maybe you just, it's just time and circumstance. You know, a travel journal might have both. It all depends. It really all depends. So it is a pivot, but it feels more like not just a little turn, not a, not even a 90 degree turn. I feel a little bit like I did a 180 like I just completely turned around and headed back the other way, backwards, definitely, to what I had been doing, sort of. When I look, though, at the planner book from January and February, it's nice. You flip through and there are these portraits every page or so. They're mixed in with my notes and my lists. And all of that is kind of nice. And yet at the same time, I would be equally happy, I think if those were in a separate notebook and on better paper. And yes, I hate to say it if I was able to photograph and use those because if they had been on other paper, I could. So yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little torn. I do think the shift is probably a good thing, but I learned some things. That's really what's important when we try something or set up these sets of limitations for ourselves. Did you learn anything? And I did. I made myself stop and really think about some questions as I was doing these drawings on this paper. I had to think about some why type questions, some what questions. What am I after? Why? What does it mean? Why? Who cares? Why? Do I care? Why? What do I want from it? Why? I had all kinds of why questions. Mostly though, I just missed having drawings in their own place. So I've been sitting this morning feeling kind of quiet. I do have lots of books to talk about. I have a full stack in the living room. I really do. A bunch of books have come in, books I've been waiting on forever that I really need to pull together and talk about. Last week's show generated a good bit of conversation in our Creativity Matters group at Facebook. Some people poked around to see if there are any groups in their areas. Other people ran the other way. No groups needed. The talk around the show surprised me. It really did. It surprised me how many people responded to it in one way or another. If I had to summarize the show, I would say it was the, if you look around and realize you have almost zero friends and or zero creative connections, or both of those things are true, then maybe building up creative connections is a good idea. Like a weekly drawing group. To me, that's what the show was. And I almost hesitated even to release that show. But it really struck a chord with a lot of you. The creative connections part. It really struck a chord. And I talked about Ladies Drawing Night, the book. A book with ideas for creative group sessions. So for me, it was, you know, a zero friends kind of show. 
But I'm really glad that for others of you, it had other levels of resonance, that it connected, that it reached you in some way and you thought, hmm, hmm. And maybe you looked around and maybe you thought, yeah, you know, I'm really happy with my friends and my social life the way it is. And I want to keep my art completely separate. I definitely heard that from a lot of people. And I get it. I get that. I get it. If I am going to magically make a friend or two or three at this point in my life, I think I really would like to have those people or that person be someone who enjoys creative things. If I was able to pick, if I was able to construct this, to make it happen in that way. And if I put myself in the right scenarios and situations and groups, I might. I might be able to sort of jerry-rig it in that way. It is really interesting for me to realize that none of this is the same for everyone. And it's important for all of you to realize that too. It's important for all of us to realize that. But there's no harm in stopping to think about it and figure out where you fall, where you fall on one side or the other of the conversation and those questions. Sort of take stock of your social life health, which has a lot to do with your self-care and your personal and emotional health too. And thank you for those of you who had rainbow sightings and shared them with me. It seems like such a small thing, but as your rainbows popped up, it was really nice. Nice to know you are each out there, walking your own paths, living your own day-to-day, finding your own balance, mapping your time and your dreams, making space for your creative self. One drawing or collage or painting or calendar square or knitting project at a time. Last week, one of my kids said that he needed to choose a novel, any novel, for a class assignment. No time period constraints. It just has to be fiction. And it was an interesting conversation we had. And I wonder, what would you recommend to an 18-year-old if asked for a single pick? Now, I do know context and personal interests definitely matter. They matter in terms of whether or not what we recommend and suggest is something this person will like. So anytime we recommend a book to someone, we're not only thinking of what we liked, but we're thinking about what they might like. So of course that matters. But it did make me stop and think, which books really stand out enough to recommend? To recommend. I know the discussion a few shows back about Bibliophile and the other book, An Ideal Bookshelf, which I now have and is fantastic. I now have it checked out. That has had some of you working on your own stacks and thinking about these kinds of questions. I've been thinking about what would go on my stack, on my core, this is me stack. If you recall, I definitely can imagine multiple kinds of stacks that would summarize or describe or define different parts of me or points in my life or different modes of self-expression in different ways. So I think there are multiple kinds of stacks. But if I was thinking just of this core stack, I've been thinking about it. And when he asked me for a suggestion, it was an interesting moment. I had an immediate pick. I really did, which was good because sometimes that kind of question, I hear it and then I can't think of anything. I go completely blank. I bet some of you would guess actually what I told him, what my pick was. And he had heard me talk about it 
back when I read it. So he immediately said, oh, yeah, sure, I would read that. That's what I'll do. I'll just read that. But I kept thinking of what else I might recommend. He was happy with just the one suggestion. He's like, okay, fine. But I was like, well, you know, there are other choices here. So let's think about it. And I was going through some of the other books that I've read or listened to in the last year that he might like. And I said, oh, another one you might consider is one that is often recommended for people who like book X, which was the book I had recommended. And I listened to this one. Good night. Good morning, moon. Good morning, moon. And we kept talking. And a few minutes later, he asked, good night, moon by Margaret Wise Brown. While we talked, he had been trying to find what I'd said on his phone. He was looking it up. And when he said that, it just brought about this confusing and sentimental moment. Do you mean Goodnight Moon by Margaret Wise Brown? Definitely I had this jumble of time and space, things falling and tumbling and colliding. Goodnight room, goodnight cup, goodnight spoon. At the time, right, the adults could all recite that book. Over and over and over, we recited that book. We read that book so many times. I guess I gave him the wrong title. I'm not quite sure I gave him Goodnight Moon. Maybe I did. Maybe I did. It would just be a complete slip. So I tried again, and somehow I still had it wrong. He finally found it. It's not Good Morning Moon. It's not Good Night Moon. It's not Good Morning Night. It's Good Morning Midnight. Yeah, that's it. So he found that one too, but he did pick my first pick and I won't say what it is. I'll put it in the show notes, but I bet some of you know, some of you know, as I said, I do have ideal bookshelf checked out now from the library and I wish I had seen it actually before I recorded the bibliophile show. It ties in perfectly with the discussion in that show about crafting your own stack. I didn't even know about this book. I really found it the day I put the show notes together. So I didn't even know about it. And yet that is exactly what it is about. Crafting a stack, your own stack. There are a hundred or so people who provided their stacks and then talked about their stacks, about the why of some of the books on their lists, some of the ones that they chose. These interviews are written up into short first-person statements that go with each stack. So whereas Bibliophile is a great way to find books by genre, Ideal Bookshelf is fascinating to read these personal accounts of each stack. It's really amazing to see the diversity in the stacks. Amazing to realize how many books we have not read, how many wonderful book choices there are out there. The people that are included in this book, lots of people that you know and might be really interested to see what made their stack. A few books caught my eye because of the spine, because of what the spine looked like in the stack. And I thought, maybe I should read those. And in one case, seeing these books, when they caught my eye and when I read then the person's narrative, the books were mentioned. And I thought, yeah, I really need to figure out what those are about. Those would be new to me. I haven't read anything by that author even. That definitely led me down the metaphysical, don't judge a book by its cover path. Ironic in so many ways in this discussion. So if you didn't really take note of that book title in the show, then definitely look it up. It's a little older, so you might have an easier time getting a hold of it. It definitely will still let you see Jane Mount's wonderful book art. 
I know in the CMP group at Facebook that several people are considering bookstack illustrations or have already done them. It is really fun to see these appear. And if you do one of these and post it in social media, definitely tag me. If you're at Instagram, tag me. I would love to see your stack. I keep thinking of the books that would need to go on my this is who I am list. Like I said, this core kind of list. And it's a pretty diverse and not strange, but eclectic list, maybe. And I haven't even stood in front of my shelves yet. I've just kind of been thinking about books that I know from all these years would somehow need to be on this list. And they come from all genres. So I haven't stood in front of the shelves, but I am going to. I kind of savor the idea and the bit of reflective time that this gives to books read. I look at some stacks that are clustered here and there on shelves, and I think, wow, I know I read all those. I know I read all those in the last few years, and I know I enjoyed at least most of those. And yet I couldn't tell you what they're about now at all. And I hate that. So at least stopping and looking at my shelves makes me reconnect even a little bit here and there with titles from the past. And I did have a book today. I was going to talk about this book. It's called How to Keep a Sketch Journal. I was going to talk about this just briefly, but I think I will hold it. It is a slim little book, just one of many, many, many kinds of books of creative fodder that you can find at your library. I really think you should just check out all creative books from your library. You should just keep them on rotation on your library card. Have books coming in, even if they sit Maybe they're there when you just have a few minutes and want to pick something up. So I'll talk about that later. We'll save it for another show. I am the art. The art is me. So that is it for episode 350. This is not the same kind of show as the last few, but we have to break things up a little bit here and there. There has to be has to be some modulation and some balancing of this kind of material. So this is definitely a catch-up show and a show about tagalongs. Didn't know tagalongs would be the biggest theme, but now it is in the title. So I guess tagalong is important. I do have a project. I have two projects set up for March, things I'm going to do, and probably need to talk about those too. Definitely want to see where some of these things go. So thank you for listening today. As always, I'm Amy, and you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. The show notes are available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Hydeless. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy. If you are at all interested in trying Creative Bug, there is a link on the show notes site where you can try it out. Definitely, it's an affiliate link, but if you're at all curious, I would love to have you use that link. I do plan to talk more about it. I am doing some exploration of my own and working through a couple of the classes to see how things work. Thank you to those of you at Patreon. Your support there means a great deal to this show and to me and to how I feel about this project. So I really do appreciate it. You can learn more at patreon.com slash creativity matters. People there get playlists and occasionally book flips and special shows. And I guess I need a keyword. I need some kind of secret word for today because now you're going to be listening for it and you're not going to hear it and you're going to feel all sad or all jaded because I've tricked you now into listening to 
these last few minutes of the show. In trying to find a review, because someone left me a message saying she had left a review, and oddly enough, I cannot manage to access the reviews. I can't get to them on my phone in any way that I've tried. I can't get to them on my computer because I don't have iTunes on this computer. So I have not been able to find a way to even see the reviews. But I was able to see, strangely, the bail rate. How many people listen to how many minutes of a show. That's really interesting to see. So the few of you who will ever hear a secret word, I got to look around. The pressure, the pressure of choosing a word that's either cute or pithy or meaningful or I don't know. I don't know. I'm looking. I I already saw what I'm probably going to give you. I I see two things. It could be either one. Oh, dear. Uh, Let's see. I really want to give you a challenge. I really think you need to illustrate the word, but that this won't be a good one for that. Mm. Okay. Well, there are two stuffed animals up on a shelf up high that when I glance over, I see them both. And they're both things I've drawn many, many times. And I keep thinking I'll give you the one, but the other one is probably a little better to choose. So I'm going to go with blue dog. So secret word is a secret phrase. Yeah. Two words, blue dog. And that dog is not really just blue. It's a lot of colors. It's a beanie baby. Yeah, it's true. Years and years and years and years ago. So blue dog's what we'll go with. All right, that's it. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone.